Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Cookbook Circle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Victoria. And we've set out to review the UK's most popular cookbooks, those that you probably have at home and haven't opened in a while. We take one cookbook each episode to cook from and to stress test, digging out their best recipes, bringing them to life again, and hopefully inspiring you to do so too. Hello, Victoria. Hi, Hannah. And hello to everyone who's listening. Oh. I realise we don't do that. We only ever say hello to each other. Oh, that's so rude of us. Sorry, Cookbook Circle Gang. Hello. Welcome. We need a, a name for them. Yeah. You know, all two of them. <laughs> like the believers. I bet they need to name themselves, otherwise it's just a bit egomaniacal on our part. <laughs> Touche. Ariana Grande doesn't have that problem. <laughs> okay, we'll just park that one then. <laughs> Have you seen anything oh. exciting in the food world lately? Yes, I do. Um, I, I do. I have. It wasn't a proposal. <laughs> <laughs> I will forever. So big news this week from your mate, Yotam. Ooh. I know that you've seen it because it's been everywhere, but the Ottolenghi Test Kitchen are bringing a book out. It's called Shelf Love. I'm not going to lie, I don't love that, but I understand it. And it, it's the first kind of introduction and collaboration book with his test kitchen, which we kind of we kind of know a bit about, right? Like from seeing his Instagram and of course, like where he's collaborated on previous books, like the most recent one with Easter, with Flavor. Mm-hmm. I think we referred to it in the Plenty episode, actually, that we just, or maybe I, because, you know, it's me. I was obsessed with the test kitchen and it has its own hashtag and everything. And I, I wonder if it kind of picked up a bit of a following and they're deciding that you know now's the time totally and this book sounds great Mm. like I as we know I'm a reluctant Ottolenghi convert but I feel like this might be the one though it's Ottolenghi and co-authored with Noor Murad who is the I think the head of the test kitchen but you know it's collaboration with all of them and it seems to be a bit more accessible so it's a way of telling you the rules 
they say, but also how to break them and to how to kind of put your own twist on things based on what you have in the cupboard. So I think what's probably happened is they listened to our Ottolenghi Plenty episode <laughs> and they, they took on our feedback about how it's, it's difficult to adapt the recipes. <laughs> and they thought, hey, that's a great idea for a book. That was a quick turnaround <laughs> from them, wasn't it? You know, they're, they're a very impressive team. So I'm excited. I'm very excited. He shared a beautiful video of the test kitchen and the test kitchen team recently didn't he yes that was pre-announcement I think so it was obviously kind of leading up to that but god I'd stand by what I said in that episode that does just look like a dream place to work oh man the food out of there just must be incredible all women as well love that yeah I can't wait I'm excited also what I'm excited about is how beautiful it looks a pink and red cover no pictures on the UK version I'm thrilled actually because I thought that for flavor the US got a better cover yeah than the UK but they lost the U that was sad <laughs> RIP they're you um <laughs> we got more space to play with the word flavor I guess then to put it across the cover like they did but the US version of this shelf love has like a picture on the front and it's not as nice ah I haven't seen that one yeah so take that <laughs> I saw as well a recipe from it is coming out is one pan confit tandoori chickpeas. Hook up to my veins. <laughs> Me too. I'm ready. Did it say when it's coming out? September. My birthday's in October, just saying. Great. I'll let the test kitchen know. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be eagerly awaiting our review anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make it onto some kind of list first. But but not the book we're talking about it's not the book we're talking about so let me tell you before we talk about the book we're talking about today what we do because i'm you know maybe you've forgotten maybe you you listen to other food podcasts which is obviously treacherous tra- <laughs> treachery tra- traitorous <laughs> So we, Hannah and I, the cookbook circle, we made a master list of all the lists of best cookbooks of all time that we could find. And we are on a mission to review on this podcast, stress test, see if we like all of the books that came out kind of on top of our master list. And this episode's book is none other than very, very famous chef, Jamie Oliver, and his first cookbook, The, the Naked, Naked chef. chef. Spoiler alert, he does not get naked in this book. I remember hearing about this back in the day. I was a kid-ish. Mm. I was 11 and hearing that there was this guy called The Naked Chef and being like, what is this guy doing? He's going to get burned. <laughs> No naked Jamie to be seen. No. There's, I mean, there's a lot of questionable outfits. Maybe he would have been better naked. <laughs> what? You don't love a beaded necklace and, and a baggy jean? <laughs> no, but Jamie does. And that's what's important. A top that says Dossy Posse is the first picture in the book. He's got the jazziest shirt on ever on the cover as well, doesn't he? We'll, we'll share that, obviously. Of course. A lot of duffer hoodies in there. Lovely duffer yeah. zip-up hoodies classic white teeth. I wonder if he regrets it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Jamie? Yes. If you, if you don't know. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? There's almost too much to say because when you Google him, there's just so much stuff. But let's take it back. Let's take it back to the beginning. Jamie Oliver, middle name Trevor. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> just don't call their babies Trevor anymore <laughs> for the listener Victoria is currently incapacitated with laughter that Jamie Oliver's na- middle name is Trevor she will be back with us soon 
I'm so sorry to any, you know, cookbook circlets who are called Trevor. I'm testing that one. How do you feel about it, guys? <clears throat> that just really, I had, I had no idea. And it's really tickled me. Okay. So Jamie, Trevor, Oliver, MB. Of course. Services to beaded necklaces. <laughs> services to shaggy haircut. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yes, so Jamie was raised in the Cricketers pub in Essex, which his parents own, and that's where he first started cooking. And he talks a little bit about that in the intro, doesn't he, where he kind of wants to earn some money and his dad puts him to work and he does literally everything like washing cars, cleaning toilets, just mm. like a general skivvy around. But then he starts cooking at age eight, I think. And obviously then that's where it all began. He went to Westminster Technical College to get a culinary degree and then he began working in Antonio Carluccio's in Neal Street and that's where he met Gennaro his like partner in crime who pops up in every tv show <laughs> with Jamie ever but I didn't realize that Gennaro went on to kind of manage some of the Jamie's Italians when that chain was quite big Oh, yeah. I knew they were a little twofer. Yeah. A little twofer one. They are, totally. Anyway, so um, then Jamie Oliver began working in the River Cafe, which we've spoken about before, mm -hmm. where actually Sam and Sam Clark have worked as well from a couple of episodes ago. And so the BBC show up at the River Cafe to film a documentary and they kind of spot Jamie Oliver um, and realise that he would be great on screen. And then that was it. He was kind of snapped up. He began making The Naked Chef and the TV show came before the book. The TV show started in 1999. It's quite funny. On The Guardian, they called him one part super chef, one part top loader. <laughs> which is another nod to his dodgy outfit. So that started on BBC Two and then a year later on the Food Network in the US. So apparently, you know how the style is quite like, rustic and it's not very polished. Yeah. Which I guess was quite groundbreaking at the time, but he apparently just used to freeze up when he had to speak to camera. So they used to, the producers or whatever, used to sit kind of to the side and speak to him and just kind of capture it all on camera. And that's why that style came about. Wow. He was only like 23 or something. So he was so young. Mm. He had a whole vernacular, didn't he? Of like pucka and lovely jubbly. And I don't carry them off in my Irish accent at all. But it, it kind of entered <laughs> the mainstream thanks to him. Yeah, I thought it was in his intro, actually. He, it's a nice intro. It's short and sweet. And that's what I like. And he said he talks about being at college and he just says, blah, 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 blah. I commuted every day for three years. I'm completely in or blah, blah, blah. And then he says, it was wicked. Yeah. Like just that little, <laughs> little three word sentence. I was like, that is so Jamie Oliver if I ever heard it like if you put that in front of me and asked me who'd written it I'd be like yeah it's endearing and it definitely was at the time he was different and he wasn't you know too straight faced and it was all very kind of bish bash bosh so obviously it just grew and grew and grew he in 2008 he, he opened the first Jamie's Italian which was a mid-market kind of dining offering that just became a massive chain and then he started Barbacoa I read that at his peak he served 7.5 million meals a year 
and employed four and a half thousand people, which is just mental. There's a really interesting New York Times article called It's Not Always Excellent to Be Jamie Oliver from 2019. And it's after the restaurant group, his restaurant group went into administration and he had to close like 25 restaurants and it all went a bit wrong. Mm -hmm. They just talk about how he spreads himself too thin, that he literally just took on too much, too fast. He was opening these restaurants in neighborhoods that mightn't have gotten much footfall, but he was just, it was just growing, growing, growing. Obviously it all kind of blew up and yeah, he had to close loads of them and he put a thousand people out of work, which I can't imagine was easy. But now he's got a slightly smaller empire, apparently 120 employees. He's still got loads going on. He's got like the T-file cookware and gadgets and yeah books has always been kind of the cornerstone of what he does so he sold more than 45 million books according to wikipedia jesus he's the uk's best-selling non-fiction author for a while only jk rowling outsold him which is insane yeah wow that is huge according to wikipedia again he's got 29 right now like there are 29 books of his on the market which again is just massive about to hit the big 3-0 <laughs> he's dyslexic so he apparently dictates all of the books rather than typing them himself which is kind of a fun little fact but yeah he's just he's just massive you can't deny that his social media reach is 30 million followers he's got a global tv audience of 67 million he's just huge possibly the biggest chef that we've discussed so far and the most well-known i think arguably you could have come across people who haven't heard of any of the previous people we've spoken about but I'd like to meet someone who hasn't heard of Jamie Oliver. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I guess people compare him quite a lot to Gordon Ramsay, right? Because they're both British blonde chefs of not a dissimilar age, I guess. And I find it interesting with Jamie versus Gordon because obviously Gordon Ramsay hasn't had like the cookbook success. Mm, That's true. That Jamie Oliver has, like, but he has more restaurants and the TV kind of, you know, iconic TV presence that he has and probably maybe, I'd say probably in America. America, but Jamie's big in America too, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're just polar opposites of each other in terms of their like delivery and their even their food. I suppose is you know Gordon Ramsay's less accessible in terms of the kind of fine dining, and like Jamie Oliver's made his money off being accessible and quick, easy family recipes. Yeah, which I definitely it would be interesting to speak about but that wasn't necessarily here there was simplicity in this book for sure but he's gone way further than that now with the kind of five ingredient 30 minute meals 15 minute meals family favorites there's just so many yeah I guess we kind of have to mention that he's worked on quite a lot of campaigns as well and continues to do so he's worked on the whole school food thing that some people really don't like because he got rid of turkey twizzlers in schools (laughs) they really like them and now he's working on this 2030 project to have childhood obesity by 2030s to have it to have (laughs) oh Jamie Oliver wants childhood obesity by 2030. He's going to Benjamin Button himself and get really fat. How do you say have? Have. Half. (laughs) To half and to hold. (laughs) But yeah, that's it. Jamie Oliver. He's obviously married to Jules who pops up in his TV shows lots. They celebrated their 20th wedding anniversary last year. Got five kids. Yeah, they have a brood of children. Yeah, (laughs) messy-haired, blonde, glue-eyed, cute kids who can cook. 
The last thing I wanted to mention was that, like I said, he's he's had a few detractors in his time for having a bit of a Markney accent, which I think is quite funny. Mm-hmm. The school lunch meals thing, having a healthy meals range at Shell petrol stations when he flouts the importance of climate change. Mm-hmm. But the tabloids, I feel, can be quite brutal on him and they were really hard on him at that time of the restaurant collapse. So I, I think he definitely gets a lot of flack and apparently a lot around kind of cultural appropriation as well for doing things like putting yeah chorizo and paella or parsley and a lemon wedge in jollof which a lot of west africans weren't happy about but he says in that new york times bit like i like parsley and if i want to put it in my jollof i will <laughs> it's like all right wow the audacity of white men ladies and gentlemen <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a whole other podcast, isn't it? But he he just believes that food evolves and you put your take on it and that whole side of the argument. So that's Jamie, friends. It's all about J.O. Fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) A sneak preview to your thoughts. I was just about to ask you what you thought about the book. First impressions, let's say. First impressions. So the the first thing I actually noticed about this book, apart from the... terrible shirt he's wearing on the cover is so we buy most of our books when we get them for the pod secondhand don't we or we we figure them out we don't buy them new because that's part of our belief system that you know you don't need to spend loads of money on these books and so the first thing I noticed was a note to the previous owners from grandma and granddad handwritten in the front cover saying to Adam and Melissa with lots of love to you both in Christmas 2000 so that's the first review of the book (laughs) Adam and Melissa got rid didn't care but 20 years later (laughs) yeah so you know I'm not going to mince my words here I I didn't I didn't love it I wasn't inspired going through it originally it took me quite a long time to kind of figure out what I was even going to cook from it It feels very kind of British route one cooking I didn't feel there's any exciting ingredients in any of the recipes I looked at originally there are so many photos of Jamie Oliver in this book (laughs) I like them (laughs) I like them you do no <laughs> I get the impression, and obviously based on everything you just said about him, that they found him on that River Cafe show and they wanted to mold him into exactly what he's become. So they called it the Naked Chef. There's all these photos of him. I'm sure that he was being pitched as this like, you know, sexy chef who was like cool and young, but also like relatable because it said that it helped a lot of men to start cooking, didn't yeah. it? So this kind of opposite of Nigella with her like sensual kind of very feminine cooking mm. but this is very kind of like you said like oh he's just like geezer and he's like yeah just throw it in yeah but cooking's fun did they mold him or did they just capitalize on what was already there i think that's the question a lot of the time with jamie oliver yeah based on the amount of just pictures of him and like like crafting it particularly in this book his personality and I haven't watched any of the TV show actually to go along with it I should I'd like to it'd be interesting to see how like the difference particularly now but yeah I just got the feeling that they'd obviously spent a lot of money and it's like he will be a success and you'll like him because we've got him Mm -hmm. so that's interesting you know there's more pictures of him than there are of the food I think (laughs) I mean that's maybe not you know actually data-led yeah so yeah I felt a very like me and I didn't know whether it was because we we've cooked from a couple of books recently that we've really liked and have been real hits for us so maybe I was just on a calm down from that yeah I was thinking this morning actually that you obviously love Asian food we've talked about that before and I'm I think if I had to pin it down I would be most interested in like Asian food Middle Eastern food kind of Mm -hmm. Mediterranean and neither of us are really on that truck of like British British meets Italian 
in. And so, yeah, to that end, we're not very well placed to review this. <laughs> well, we're well no. placed, but we're probably not going to be that nice about it. Yeah, but what about the section about fusion broths? Did you not love that? Because, you know, there's two recipes in the fusion broth section and they're very Asian. Mm -hmm. There's one that's got ginger and noodles. And then there's a broth that includes, it's, it's a broth, so it's a light meal that includes scallops, prawns, clams, noodles, black beans, coriander and lime. So that's a nice a little light lunch there. <laughs> Did it not just give you major Simon Hopkinson vibes? Yes. Not in terms of the recipes per se, because he's more of a French tilt, French angle, and Jamie's much more Italian influence. But in it's like of its time, it was probably great. Probably the first time a lot of people were seeing these things or thinking about, you know, making their own pasta or whatever. Hmm. But perhaps has not aged as well and because possibly because of him these kind of recipes have become so mainstream that now to us in 2021 they're a bit dull yes I think that's exactly it I was trying to find some reviews from the time because I just wasn't feeling it and I was like right what what was it about it at this time and I found a couple of articles about not about the book at the time but about this year for cookbooks and how basically it came out in 1999 the same year as How to Eat by Nigella which is uh, interesting yeah. it was just this start of the like you know eat local eat fresh produce kind of you know Hugh Fernley Whittingstall was also on the scene yeah. and it just it was different and I guess when you looked at cookbooks before you were used to this very fancy you know tweezers hawk cuisine kind of thing so he must have been an absolute breath of fresh air to what was already available and yeah I, I think you're absolutely right like it just it was of its time but now it just is it's just not thrilling yeah so what did you cook nothing <laughs> no. <laughs> It's going to be a very short podcast. <laughs> so I made three things, mm -hmm. four things really, because one of them was um, part of another thing. I'll explain that. Two of them were pastas. And I'll just get this out there right now. I absolutely did not make the pasta. So I have to tell you <laughs> that I discounted the whole pasta section because I thought he was saying that you had to home make them because I lazily read one line in the pasta introduction <laughs> that said, as for dried pasta, what can I say? And I just read that and went oh, fuck off and I closed it because I thought he was going to be like don't even bother with that shit and just before this I looked back and he's like there are great dried pastas that you can try so I did not make any pasta because I thought he was saying you absolutely had to make it from scratch so that's my short attention span for you I love that. Don't get me to proof your cookbook ever. <laughs> I discounted making pasta before I'd even seen it. Life's too fucking short. Dried pasta is good and delicious. And I don't have a pasta maker because when you get them, you use it once and it sits in a cupboard for the next 40 years. And it's just the effort to impact is just not worth it for me. So there we go. Don't at me. I'm not interested. <laughs> but if you want to know how to make pasta, He's your guy. Jamie is your guy. This book is your guy. <laughs> There's all sorts of pastas. There's a lovely looking beetroot pasta that's all purple and lovely, which uh, looks great, but not great enough for me to bother making it. So I made the pappardelle with dried porcini, thyme, tomato and mascarpone sauce. Ooh. Oh. And this one, you have to first make Jamie's tomato sauce, tomato pasta sauce. And I actually find it quite fun and exhilarating to like test people's kind of basic sauces like that and see what they're doing with them. So I was quite excited about that. Jamie's is, is fairly standard. So he wants you to get whole plum tomatoes, tinned, best you can find, organic 
did all that you pop it in with um garlic whatever this is the thing i've got about this book and i don't know if you noticed as well like everything just has one clove of garlic one measly clove of garlic i'm not one of those people that you know write on the internet how like they'll add 15 cloves of garlic to a recipe because it has one but if you're cooking italian food you probably need more than just one clove this is a big pasta sauce recipe but that is a fair point but yeah people were i don't know i think people were afraid of garlic like that's for me <laughs> afraid of garlic too exotic <laughs> yeah so you kind of his whole thing is you keep the tomatoes whole as they're cooking on the hob okay. you don't break them up because of the acidity in the tomato so you just kind of cook it down for a while and when it's kind of ready after i think it's about an hour you mash it up and then add red wine vinegar oh. which is interesting red wine vinegar but no sugar so the acidity is definitely still there I thought the vinegar was interesting, particularly mm. because there's no sugar to balance out and quite acidic. And yeah. yeah, it just was, it didn't have that oomph that some pasta sauces have and it wasn't really worth the time doing it. I, I, yeah. I don't mind pasta sauce ragouts or whatever when you've got to spend all day making it if the payoff is worth it. But this didn't feel like had any kind of depth of flavour. And, and maybe it's me. I have to say, I did have a little bit of an existential crisis cooking for this book. <laughs> I mean, I can talk about it later, but... With your therapist. <laughs> With my therapist. She's getting so much money these days. The root of it is, I felt like, if I can't make a fucking Jamie Oliver recipe, can I even cook? Oh, but then that that's not you, right? That's the recipe no. or your your palate. Yeah, you know what? Everything I made was fine. Nothing was a disaster. But like, I just feel, I'm shrugging my shoulders. You can't see me because we're recording a podcast. But like, I just felt like nothing just went the way that I hoped it would in terms of like really being special. But anyway, so you make this tomato sauce. So in the meantime, you soak 55 grams of dried porcini. And Jamie in this recipe seems to think that's not very much, but 55 grams of dried mushrooms is a lot because they're quite light (laughs) and the whole idea is to soak them and then cook them in some kind of garlic and with thyme and some of their own soaking liquid until they're quote almost nothing a bad name of the week (laughs) that's that's my opening line to my therapist later (laughs) so i cooked these tomatoes for a really really long time how long are we talking? Hour and a half, two hours. It, they just weren't going anywhere. In You know, they weren't shrinking enough. And, you know, again, was this me? Was this the recipe? I don't know. So I basically gave up and just thought, well, I don't mind chunks of porcini. Love that. So then you add the tomato, you add mascarpone. It's like a good time and you just mix it all up. And it's nice. You add the, your homemade papadelle or whatever it is. And it tasted like those tubs of fresh tomato and mascarpone pasta sauce you get in the supermarket that you'd buy at uni when you were like having people over for dinner and you, you wanted to have like a, you wanted to be a bit posh and have a step up from you know just tinned pasta sauces or jarred uh, which I really like I'm not saying that's a bad thing I think that I was a big fan it tasted just like that but you could have just bought a tub of that and saved yourself two hours. Do you know what I mean? £1.50. And <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I didn't get the, you know, didn't get the payoff from the mushrooms. And maybe that's because I didn't cook them for long enough or whatever. And I love mushrooms. I love that taste and that kind of, I don't want to say umami because it makes you sound like a wanker. But like, you know, that flavour, that's the whole point of mushrooms. Yeah, liked it. Again, that, that was the start of my existential crisis. Moving to the middle of the existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to see how it ends. Well, so the middle of the existential crisis actually was a quite a nice recipe that I really, I quite liked it. So it was the, um, from the pulses and lentils section, it's the butter bean leek and cream thing. Oh, I think that was one of mine that I wanted to make. I love a butter bean. I didn't use butter beans. 
Okay. As you all know, I you're a dried bean girl. Bought a substantial amount of beans recently from Homodos, and butter beans weren't part of it. So I kind of did a bit of a Google to see what if there was any like for like, and apparently the, the fava bean, the lima bean, which are the same, is similar or can be used in in place of. So I was like, right, I've got some of those. I'll do those instead because you know, no point me going out and buying some. I love a butter bean too, but I didn't have any. So dried, soaked them lovely i wish i hadn't bothered with that like it was a, it obviously was an overnight thing but there's nothing that he does i don't think in the cooking the beans you know like with nigella when you cook your chickpeas you have all these lovely aromatics in there but jamie's not like that you you put a tomato in with the beans when you're cooking them because apparently it softens the skin of the beans just a whole tomato ah enzymes i imagine i don't know i'm guessing <laughs> don't know about enzymes but i imagine it's something to do with enzymes it's usually enzymes <laughs> isn't it it's the answer to everything enzymes <laughs> why did we vote brexit enzymes synapses or some shit <laughs> they're very different things <laughs> oh they've both got wise in the world what do you mean yeah and so it's a very simple recipe apart from it just takes a long time because you soak the beans so you cook up loads of leeks we know i love leeks uh it's like three leeks with i think you know two cloves of garlic in this one Ooh. um <laughs> <laughs> some butter and then you add in true simon hopkinson style shitloads of cream oh. and the beans and then you bake it so you put all of that mixture into the oven i put some you know uh what they called breadcrumbs on top to make a little crispy top and the photos are absolutely awful so i apologize for that but it was good it was nice he suggests that you have it as like a a side dish for a roast dinner and i think it would be nice actually with a chicken or a lamb or something as a bit of a different side dish i ate it just kind of on its own and in a bowl it was nice i had it for a few days afterwards my only thing was every time i ate it i added some like hot sauce to it because it just was a bit bland yeah um but it was it was nice it was a nice way to use up beans i imagine it would be really Really nice with butter beans. And so coming to the end of my big old Jamie Oliver existential crisis, I did the farfalle with artichokes, parmesan, garlic and cream. Nice. More cream. More cream. I mean, I already had it. I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's keep going. I love artichokes. That's what I'll preface this with. So this was the real reason for my crisis of self. Mm. So was really happy actually that I could find artichokes. Saw this recipe, thought, oh, if I can get artichokes, I'll definitely do it. Sounds great. Hated every minute of cooking this recipe <gasps> because preparing an artichoke is is difficult. Of course, it's difficult. But Jamie Oliver like feeds you the line that he's like got he's you know got the solution to your problem here and i did everything that he said so i had a bowl of lemon water to make them not get brown i wore gloves because they make your hands stain i tried to work as quickly as possible they still went brown my hands were stained for days i started cooking the artichokes they got even more brown oh i just felt like i was was so stressed so stressed and then you're cooking these artichokes down you have to wait till they get like kind of soft and then with some i think some thyme and garlic and then you kind of add cream and then you're supposed to add 150 grams of parmesan well so i've just fucking done all this shit with artichokes and you want me to just cover up the whole flavor with it's basically a mac and fucking cheese <laughs> like <laughs> with parmesan the, the 
artichokes are unnecessary because it's just it's a creamy garlic parmesan sauce mm. you can't taste the artichokes when they get to the end and you've gone through all that trauma of creating it and just really I, I didn't use farfalle I had rigatoni because he may, of course makes the farfalle but I just was like what am I doing and like why am I I'm not enjoying this and why if with such a simple recipe because it is simple it, it was easy to follow and you know I was, I was grateful that there was like pictures of how to prepare the artichokes but like it was I just got a bit sad at the end Aww. and I just thought like I didn't enjoy it Aww. payoff wasn't worth it again mm. and I just felt like I couldn't really enjoy it um oh, no and that was sad but anyway I'm, I'm over that now we've 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 moved on we're okay I'm sorry friend that sounds like a traumatic experience no, that's fine I just was got a bit you know like why why am I even doing a, a fucking podcast about food when I can't even cook a fucking Jamie Oliver recipe and it be it turn out great right like I should be able to do that so yeah I would very strongly argue that that is not (laughs) you that's that's the recipe or at least I always blame the recipe if something works it doesn't work out I do think some of the recipes feel they're trying to be so simple that a lot of the stuff is skipped over in terms of the instructions yeah they're very short few sentence recipes in honor of this like oh yeah wazzy wazzy woo woo get it all in but actually what do i do yeah help me yeah is this a recipe or is it you know oh anyway anyway what did you cook tell me no pasta i was worried that we might have cooked the same things but you know i had a lot of the same feelings as you when i was leafing through this book i felt really just disappointed i think and a bit uninspired and like i said i completely wrote off the whole pasta section (laughs) which i do apologize for but you know here we are he'll be okay (laughs) he'll be okay i'll be okay (laughs) i'm not going to talk much about this because i kind of bore myself with this but i (laughs) made another fucking risotto (laughs) oh yay i almost made risotto tell us well i didn't really want to because i made one for nigella i made her pea risotto for how to eat and I make them you know for myself a lot not a lot but they're they're like a comfort food for me so I was loath to do another one but a lot of the stuff I found a bit faffy actually like I know I know we're aiming for simplicity here we Jamie you and I but (laughs) I I thought it was a bit faffy a lot of it and I just couldn't be arsed or things weren't in season or yeah you had to soak your beans and I just thought no I just don't have time right now so I'm just gonna do this basically (laughs) nut squash risotto with thyme and mascarpone so a lot of similar ingredients to what you made oh wow yeah and thyme I love thyme but thyme and mascarpone seem to make a lot of appearances in this book Mm. actually I have to say I did like it I liked it way more than I thought I would I was pleasantly surprised you roast the butternut squash learned a new way to cut it actually in quite satisfying wedges that he does but you basically make kind of a paste with chili uh, fennel seeds coriander seeds dried oregano garlic one clove (laughs) Um, and you massage that into the squash and then you roast it it smells amazing actually even before it went in the oven it smelled really good and that blend of spices seems to work really well and then separately he's got kind of a master recipe for risotto Mm -hmm. and after that he's got like his variations on it and he tells you in the variations at what step to put in the different things but it's a classic risotto you soften your onion and you like toast the rice in the kind of onion and oil and you put in some wine or vermouth he's he champions vermouth a lot in there but I've never actually tried that in a risotto and then Mm. you break up half of the butternut squash do it in chunks and the other half you do in like smaller chunks essentially (laughs) so you've got you know 
squash two ways like two yeah. textures of, of squash and you mix them in at, diff- at different points one at one right at the end and at the end of the risotto um you stir in some mascarpone which uh, alongside some butter actually so it, it's mm. a lot but actually it was really delicious I, I didn't Sounds expect great. to like it yeah I didn't expect to like it as much as I did but the the spices in the squash do a really good job of like cutting through the kind of because we've spoken about risotto before where it can be very samey samey yeah. a bit like and amorphous like blob of deliciousness to me but not to everybody else <laughs> so yeah so it does a really good job of cutting through that and um, actually it was really delicious I made the whole portion and I put some in the fridge and then I just kept eating it over the next few days and I, I know that a lot of bloody Italians <laughs> <laughs> Wow. No, I know a lot of like I know a lot of risotto. I don't know evangelists would purists. say the yeah, purists would say that you can't reheat risotto and you yeah whatever you can't eat it the next day. But I beg to differ, guys. We're in a food waste crisis, man. We can't just throw away a risotto if you don't eat it because you can't heat it up. This is what got us into this mess. <laughs> I had aspirations of making arancini with them, but that just never happened. I'm gonna argue that that was two things that I made because spice butter that squash and risotto was separate recipes in the thing and you know I like to do a minimum of three recipes so that was the first two (laughs) (laughs) minimum of three that's our band name (laughs) and this the last thing I cooked was super super simple like you it was suggested as an accompaniment to a roast Mm. we ordered a roast because we're amazing I like to call it supporting local hospitality. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> it's definitely not because we're too lazy to cook a Sunday roast. From yeah, shout out to Bustamantas in Deptford. Amazing roast. But so I cut the onions in thyme and butter. Oh, that's on my the red onions. Yeah, red onions. I was I was also gonna make those. They look great. They do look great. They look great in the mm. before picture. The after picture I will not be sharing with anyone because it looks like <laughs> some kind of like incineration has occurred, even though they were delicious. So it's just mm. really simple. You top and tail some onions, you kind of cut an X in the onions almost halfway down. You basically like shove some salt and thyme and butter in there and you bake them for I don't know 35 minutes really really easy and they're great I mean what's not great with butter and salt and thyme like you could lather that on me and I'd be great (laughs) (laughs) maybe you should do that to support local hospitality have I told you how I want to start um like a food range of perfumes so (laughs) one would be thyme because I think actually Joe Malone or people use thyme in theirs and I do like a freshly baked bread one of course, yeah. Maybe some like cookies. Yeah, my husband always says that you could do that with the smell of a bag of mini eggs. <laughs> that smell of like, I guess the like powdery yeah. coating. Sweetness. Find him in the fridge like sniffing a bag of mini eggs. <laughs> I'm struggling a little bit with the savoury side of things. I've got thyme and freshly baked bread, but apart from that, I think everything else I've gone to is quite sweet because nobody really wants the smell of like, you know, a roast chicken or something. Yeah, like <laughs> a lamb. <laughs> but anyway, watch this space. I'll keep you posted on that one. Yeah, well, uh, write in and let us know what you'd like to smell like. But yeah, that was all I made. And they were they were great. They weren't ground baking, but they're a nice, yeah, nice on the side when you're having a roast. Anything that you would have liked to have made? Um, not a huge amount, to be honest. I'm not going to go in on it, but I wasn't massively blown away. There was one thing, there was the butter beans with marinated tomato, chili and mm. basil, which I thought looked good. Doesn't sound dissimilar to yours because, yeah, everything butter, butter beans, butternut squash, butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
love it all. Onions with butter. Yeah. The vegetable tempura look nice as well. That's a way to stomach vegetables, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Batter them and fry them. But yeah, I mean, the dessert section didn't really blow me away. One thing I'm starting to see emerging as a trend in these books is that they love a tart, don't they? I love a tart. Yeah. But a lot of these chefs love a sweet tart. The dessert sections are massively dominated by that. I wonder if that's like a... If you go to culinary school at whatever level in the UK, they probably don't spend a lot of time. I, I get the impression there's a lot, a lot of pastry stuff if you're mm. if you're not doing a pastry course, and so maybe a tart. A tart feels very British, doesn't it? Like a like a quiche. I know, you know, yeah, quiche isn't a, yeah, it's, but you know that. I just yeah. feel like there's no, there's nothing that British people butcher more than a fucking quiche, right? Like, you know, I'm sure they're really nice when done properly, but you know. Or my very well-spoken friend in uni, or was having a well-spoken day, and she ordered the quiche. <laughs> The cliche of the day. What a flourish. (laughs) What about you? Was there anything you wanted to cook? Yeah, the North African lamb I was quite interested Mm. in. I was going to make it, but then I was struggling to find the lamb that it it needs. But I thought that sounded very up my street, kind of Moroccan-y inspired. 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 Um, But that sounded nice. And then, you know, to try and make myself kind of feel better, I was looking at what other people liked from this book. The meatballs is is apparently something that a lot of people cook again and again. It seems to be on people's radar and and they cook it quite a lot. So I'd, I'd try that to see if it was anything special. I think it's time to rate time i feel like i talk for a lot here and you talk for about three sentences on what you cook really so i want to just apologize to all the cookbookettes <laughs> cookbook circlets <laughs> circlets <laughs> let us know what's working for you here <laughs> let us know which one you cling on to um i just don't have that much to say i i don't I, i'm yeah i don't want to go in on him that's the thing i don't want to be too harsh and i yeah. just think you know this is over our heads because we were 11 when it came out or whatever however old you were you know he were 21 mm. <laughs> hey but um what's 20 <laughs> I no, think it was of its time. Yeah, I think so. And I also, I tried very hard here to to separate the the art and the artist because I have a lot of feelings about Jamie Oliver. And I, I don't think this will be the last book that we do of his. And so, you know, I'll save some of those <laughs> opinions for later. But yes, let's rate it. I've got hot off the press rating news. Oh my god, for everyone. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> she quits. Hannah quits. <laughs> You've rated that I'm shit and I'm out of here. <laughs> Fair. We've given it much thought. And by much thought, <laughs> we mean a, a two-line conversation on WhatsApp this morning. And we've decided to condense one of our criteria for the cookbook circle rating. Such a serious voice here. This is serious. <laughs> Mr. Kletz wants to know. I feel like the Daily Mail might write about this. Cookbook circle shocker as hosts change their mind. Flaunting their rating system, their curvaceous rating system. <laughs> We're merging usability and accessibility because these are slightly similar things. And because we've realized that as we go on, more and more of these books can tick all the boxes, all the practicality boxes of the other criteria like accessibility, how easy it is to get the ingredients, the aesthetics, the veggie friendliness. They can tick all those boxes, but they mightn't inspire us at the end of the day. They just feel very meh. You just do a bit of a sigh when you open them and you're just like, oh God, what am I going to cook here? It feels a bit like finding a romantic partner. They literally <laughs> look good on paper, to use a Love Island phrase, but there's just no spice 
spark, you know? So we're introducing the criteria of inspirability because it's a word. I checked it. Did you? Inspirable is a word. I think that means you can add an itty. We're keeping it at five. We're marking out of five. We're doing usability and accessibility as one. We might merge them into a better word. Just watch this space. Ingredients used, <laughs> aesthetics, veggie friendliness, and inspirability. And each episode we rank out of something that is particular or specific to that chef or that book. For example, we've done Little Piggies for David Chang because there's pork in that book. Or we did Innuendos for Nigella. And so for this one, because as we've referenced, there are just, just you know one or two photos of Jamie in this book <laughs> we will be marking out of five photos, photos of, of Jamie, Jamie Oliver. Oliver so Vic how many photos of Jamie Oliver are you giving this out of five um so I have to be true to our rating system and it, it is usable accessible the ingredients aren't difficult to find I don't think it gets a point for aesthetics because of the pictures of him and I mean, this shirt on the front cover. I don't like how he looks. <laughs> I just want to see the pictures of the food. Like, I, I need to understand what where I'm trying to get to. Not, you know, yeah. Jamie Oliver. I think it's pretty veggie friendly. It's not vegan friendly at all. So inspirability, that's a no from me. I just didn't. I wasn't feeling it. It wasn't my guy. So it's getting three pictures of Jamie Oliver from me. How about you? I am agreeing with you. I am saying three pictures of Jamie. I agree that it's very accessible. Uh, most of the ingredients are really easy to find. Aesthetics, it actually looks like it's been laid out in maybe Microsoft Works, not even Word. Wow. <laughs> Veggie friendly, yes. I would argue that actually the most exciting dishes in this are meat based. Mm. A lot of fish. We haven't really talked about it, but there was a lot of fish, isn't there? There's a whole fish section. and There is a lot of fish. Plenty in the sea, apparently, as well. But... <laughs> Back to that romantic partner analogy. <laughs> We're reading them in. <laughs> Wait. And in terms of inspirability, it was not my catch of the day. <laughs> no, I just, I can't give it a point for inspirability or it didn't inspire me, it didn't excite me. Bit of a chore, actually, to cook for this yeah. one, I would say. So it's three out of five photos from me. Sorry, Jamie. He got better after this, I think. He got better. He got, you know, more interesting. He bashed lots of things in blenders and lots of like marinades and like color. And I, I watch shows of his now. He did a whole series during lockdown. I thought, mm. this all looks great. I, I want to make loads of these things. I think he's just gotten better and better and better. He was 23. Cut him some stuff. Absolutely. He can have all the slack that he desires from me. And I, because I don't think that this will be the last we see of him over on the cookbook circle. So I'm ready to take it book by book with him. We're going to take it slow. <laughs> Go steady. Let's take it slow. <laughs> next time. Next time. Another book. This is exciting, actually, because this is a real classic, right? Like we are in classic territory. Also, a woman. Woohoo! And just to say on that is that we. We like women. We are dictated by these lists. We're dictated by these lists. Dictated, literally. That's what's happened is that there's not many women on these lists. And so we haven't been able to cook from many books from women yeah. so far. But we are back, baby, with Mastering the Art of French Cooking by Ms. Julia, Julia Childs. <laughs> there's other people on there. Someone called Bert Hall. <laughs> Louisette Bert Hall. <laughs> And Simone Beck. They're all in Julie and Julia. They, you definitely see them in Julie and Julia's. Yes, you do. That's her little posse. 
very excited by this it's quite the book isn't it oh i'm excited because there's an aspic section and i don't want to cook anything or i guess you don't cook aspic <laughs> but uh you know things in jelly is very interesting to me and i kind of wish i'd lived through the 70s when that was cool sorry we've we've worn thin the the band name joke at this point but things in jelly would be a, <laughs> an amazing band name as well yeah i'm very excited for this let us know your thoughts on jamie though i want to know if there's any recipes that we've just missed in that that are real iconic game changers i'm ready to hear it i'm open or tell us what your favorite jamie book is if it's not this yes. what, which one of the other how many did i say 275 yeah exactly <laughs> 29 yeah thank you for listening thank you love you bye, bye. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this episode of the cookbook circle don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and if you've enjoyed it please leave us a review as it helps others to find us you can see how the recipes from this episode turned out on our instagram at cookbook circle and if you make anything from the books we talk about please don't forget to tag us see you next time bye, bye. hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.